welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a great guest on the Think MHK podcast today. We have the Chamber's 2023 Citizen of the Year, Mary Veneer. Hey, Mary. Hey, how you doing, Jason? Thanks for joining us today. So you, your family has a long history in Manhattan and Kansas State, and we always like to ask people, uh, how did you end up being in the community and what's the personal story that led you here and calling Manhattan home? Um, well, let's see. My um, mother actually did some of her growing up years in Manhattan. Uh, my dad did not. He grew up uh, around Salina and Brookville. And so that's where my sister and brother and I um, were raised out at the ranch at Brookville. Um, all three of us came to Kansas State for college. And so, um, yeah, I graduated in 1989, then moved to Colorado Springs for about 10 years and then came back in 1999 um, to work on the development um, called Grand Mirror out, at, out around Colbert Hills Golf Course. Yeah. So for those of us that are... Not as literate in Kansas geography as others. Um, Brookville is? Brookville is um, 10 to 12 miles straight west of Salina. Okay. And Salina is about, what, 60 miles west of Manhattan. I do know where Salina is. I yeah. have been to Salina and through Salina many times. So. Right, right. So you touched on this briefly, but as I was reading your bio, talked about your degree and that you uh, spent 10 years at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado mm -hmm. Springs, which I have been to. It's a very lovely hotel. Um, what did you take from that experience that has helped you over your longer business and philanthropic careers? Well, I graduated in hotel and restaurant management from Kansas State, and I did an internship at the Broadmoor um, the summer before I graduated um, and was mostly interested in the marketing and PR side of um, the hospitality business. And so um, once I graduated, I was invited to come back um, for a real job in that area and so worked directly for the um, public relations director, um, then, you know, had a few job title changes, whatnot, moved, uh, worked for the vice president of marketing, eventually became the director of public relations um, towards the end of my tenure at the Broadmoor. So um, I learned a lot about, uh, I think, marketing, sales, advertising, public relations, which has been exceedingly helpful um, in my work with the development here. And then just some more basic things. I mean, you know, I I often tell young people that it's really good to go out, you know, a lot of them just want to go out and be their own boss, be their own man, be their own woman, whatever. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of good to go out and work for somebody else for a while because you might learn a few things about how you do and do not uh, want to manage people or manage um, a business or or that kind of thing. So um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a neat time to be there. It's a beautiful resort. It's a well run uh, business. Um, I was also there during a an ownership change, so that was interesting too. So for those that aren't familiar with the Broadmoor, it's real. It's it's globally famous, probably you could say, or at it, least at least famous nationally. Yeah, um, now I'm 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 not the PR person anymore, but when I was, it was the longest running mobile five star AAA five diamond resort um, uh, in the United States. Um, 
I think somewhere around 800 rooms, three golf courses, dozens of restaurants, a spa. Um, they used to have an ice skating rink when I was there, um, tennis, you know, the whole the whole gamut. And so you probably saw a lot of famous people in and out of there. I did, that, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's maybe the most famous or one or two? Well, we we used to do um, shows in the uh, the Broadmoor World Arena, which was the ice skating rink, and so um, a lot of Olympic ice skaters trained there. Um, so I can remember meeting Scotty Hamilton and Brian Botano. Um, but some of the shows we did were not ice related. So we had uh, Bob Hope came oh, and did wow. a show there. Red Skelton. Um, I remember meeting Reba McIntyre once. Um, you know, we just had a lot of celebrities coming in and out of there. It's a great place to visit if anybody. It is. We, we love people to visit Manhattan, but if you're looking for a place to visit, the Broadmoor would would be on a list somewhere, right? Absolutely. So you mentioned this as well, but one of the largest projects that you've led uh, here is the development of Grand Mirror. Uh, How has the vision for Grand Mirror and Colbert Hills developed? And are you happy with the results? Well, just to give folks a little context in case they're not familiar with with Grand Mirror and Colbert Hills, um, we are a 1,054-acre master plan golf course community out on the west side of Manhattan. When I was in school, um, Kimball Avenue uh, stopped right at the property line and turned into a gravel road, and um, the land was uh, used, uh, we leased it to the university to run cattle on. And it was owned by my grandmother, um, who we called Grammaire, which is French for grandmother. And so um, the name came about in honor of her. Uh, so we called it Grand Mirror. And um, so when the university was working with um, Jim Colbert, who is an alum and a PGA Tour and senior TGA, PGA Tour pro, um, Looking to build a facility for uh, K-State men's and women's golf, um, this was the site that he kind of landed on uh, to, to build the Colbert Hills golf course. And so my father uh, decided that uh, he wanted to retain the land around the golf course and develop that uh, and have the family have control over how that was developed. So just so happened that the timing worked out right. And um, he asked me if I didn't want to come move home and learn how to become a land developer. So I did. And um, we presented a, had a, a firm come in and do a master plan, um, you know, incorporating all different types of, of, of homes from apartments to condos to duplexes, single family homes, small ones up to, you know, McMansions. Um, and uh, so have been working on that ever since. So your question is, has it developed like we'd hoped? Um, yeah, I would say for the most part, yes. Um, you know, there's some things I'd have done differently or, uh, or, or, or something of that nature. But I think overall, um, we've gone through a lot of economic ups and downs over the last what, 23, 24 years. And so, you know, there were times when I would have liked to have picked up that piece of ground and moved it to, to Southern Johnson County because the project would have gone a lot faster than it, than it maybe did here. But, um, you know, we've, we've been uh, fortunate with some, some steady growth, uh, particularly over the last, you know, seven, eight years. And um, so I think, you know, overall, very, very pleased with it. Uh, we do have a variety of different home products and and price points, which was the which was the idea. 
Um, we've tried to work with nature and not against it. So we've got, you know, a lot of areas. I mean, obviously we've got about 350 acres of open space that makes up the golf course, but we've also got, you know, another hundred or so acres of just natural um, draws and hills and, and whatnot that we've tried to preserve so that you actually feel like you're in the Flint Hills and, and not just in another subdivision. How many more lots do you have to develop out there? Or are you pretty much full? We are not full. We actually have um, some what I call raw pieces of ground that have yet to be developed clear up on our north end. And those are pieces that I couldn't even tell you how many lots there might end up being on there. So it's hard to say, you know, we've got this many left because um, many of our neighborhoods um, now are kind of owned and developed by sub-developers. Um, so I sell a piece of ground to someone else and they do the developing of that particular piece. Um, so I can't honestly tell you how many lots are available right now. Um, there are there are some, and, and the good news is we've got a little more room to grow. So changing subjects a little bit in terms of the veneer connection with Kansas State. Your family's been connected to the university for a long time. Why were those established and why have they continued to be strong? Well, I, I think, again, going back to my to my grandparents, particularly my grandfather, uh, he was in the grain milling business and was very successful um, starting out in Salina and then kind of branching out from there. Uh, he didn't have a formal education. And so I think K-State being the, the land grant of the state, um, you know, he felt a connection and a um, a desire to support the land grant, the ag school of the state, um, you know, to to continue economic development within the state and to kind of have a talent pipeline uh, that you talk about all the time, you know, needs a, everyone, every business needs a talent pipeline. Um, so he got involved, uh, particularly in the milling school, um, and then also became involved uh, with athletics uh, early on when the um, what's now Bill Snyder Family Stadium was um, just the the new football stadium. Um, and so it, it's just kind of grown from there. My my dad um, went to Kansas State, did not graduate. I think he lacks I don't know three or five hours or something. Uh, my mom actually went two years to KU. And, um, but married a K-Stater and so became a K-Stater. And so, you know, we just always, that was kind of our, our family thing to do was to come to football and basketball games, even back when they weren't near as exciting and, and, uh, we didn't have a, a winning program, but, um, you know, we came every week and, and tailgated out in the gravel parking lot and, um, you know, had a good time. And so, you know, I think just, just a long association and, and getting to know people within the administration, within athletics, and just seeing it as a, you know, kind of a good engine of of PR and of economic development and, and pride, kind of a pride point for the state, uh, I think is is probably why we got involved and, and have stayed involved since. So as a longtime supporter of the athletic program, this year had to be pretty exciting. Oh, it was very exciting. Yes, it was very, very exciting. Did you get a chance to go to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight in New York? I heard a lot of really good stories about that, and as well as the Sugar Bowl, of course, in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, I went to both. I uh, went to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, which was great fun, and then also um, went to the, the two rounds of the NCAA tournament in New York, and it was just great. Um, and it was so much fun to 
you know, K-Staters, we walk around in our purple all the time. And, and uh, even in New York, uh, just random people off the street were saying, oh, go Wildcats. You know, we're, we're excited for you. So that was fun. That we had four New York kids. On that did not team, hurt. No, so. that did not I heard, hurt. I heard a lot of stories from Karen Hibbert, who, of course, spread her manhappiness from she from Kansas did. all over the Man- Manhattan there in New York. So, right, right. Yeah, I'm sure you did the same thing. So why is philanthropy so important to your family? And why has it been over the years? Well, I think if I look back and, and see the kinds of things that we have supported as a family, um, they've primarily been educational, um, educational organizations, schools. Um, uh, and, you know, I think probably my, my brother has said it best. Um, you, you can't guarantee someone's success in this life, but you can help guarantee opportunity. And so um, by supporting uh, institutions like Kansas State, um, Kansas Wesleyan, um, you know, we do scholarship programs for Kansas 4-H uh, and, and other entities, you know, we're kind of investing in the next generation um, and, and helping, you know, young people who may not have the means to uh, get a college education otherwise. Um, my mom kind of fell in that category. I, I mentioned that she went to KU for two years, and the reason she had to she had to drop out and and move back uh, uh, that time to Salina uh, was because her family just flat didn't have the money to keep sending her. And so um, I know that that was something that always kind of gnawed on her that she didn't have a, a degree. And so um, you know, I think I think just kind of paying it forward, paying it back, uh, providing opportunity. And, you know, we, as a family, we have been blessed um, with, uh, you know, my grandfather was very successful in his businesses. My dad was very successful, you know, just a, just a desire to, to help others and, and help your community and um, make things a little bit better for everybody. Well, along those lines, uh, you were awarded the Lud Fisher Citizen of the Year this year by the Chamber. Uh, what was your reaction? First of all, I thought your 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 speech was priceless, but what was your initial reaction to winning the award? Um, well, I was shocked. Um, you know, Summer Dirks called me a few days before and asked me if I was planning to be at the annual meeting, and I actually had kind of I'm ashamed to say, but I'd kind of spaced it out. And so she said, well, well there were a lot of other things going on. There were a few too. other things yeah, going on that so. week. Yeah. But she said, you really need to be there. And so I asked why. And she said, well, your name might be being engraved on something as we speak. And I said, oh, okay. I went, but before I went, as I mentioned in the speech, I did go on the website to see what what engraved items might be presented at the chamber annual meeting. And um and saw three, and I thought, well, the Lud Fisher thing. I mean, I know some of the people that have gotten that, and that's that's a really big deal. It can't be that. So, um, you know, I kind of figured it surely must be the young professional of the year. And uh, then when that was announced, and it wasn't me, um, Stephanie Pierce, by the way, Stephanie who, Pierce, who is who is so deserving and much younger than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not much. Uh, yeah, little. quite a bit. Um, but anyway, um, I, I was, I was thrilled. I was honored. I was humbled. Um, you know, it meant a lot to me that it came from summer. I've known her. Um, I was her sorority chapter advisor, um, when she was at Kansas state. And then 
actually before the, I, I knew her dad when I was a little, little kid. Um, he worked for the Hereford Cattle Association and was um, what they called a field man, meaning he drove around to people's ranches and kind of bought ads and or sold ads, uh, excuse me, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, he had dinner at our house probably once a month um, for several years. And um, so, you know, kind of felt like I knew the family, but when she uh, made the presentation, that was that was really special. So that's just one of a number of accomplishments that you've earned. Um, are there one or two significant achievements or or things that you've accomplished that you're the most proud? Well, I don't know about accomplishments, but things I've I've been fortunate to be involved with um, that I'm very proud of. One of which um, is out at Grand Mirror. Um, had the opportunity to work with the uh, the board at the um, Good Shepherd Hospice House, and when they were looking for a site for for the hospice house, we were able to provide the land for what is now Good Shepherd um, Home Care and Hospice. And, you know, honestly, of, of everything out in the development, I think that's the one thing I'm most proud of because, I, I you know, it's obviously a unique facility to our region and it just helps so many people. And um, so very proud of that you know, have been have been really excited to work on some chamber initiatives uh, relative to entrepreneurship and um, DEIB recently. And so um, I'm really proud of the work that that the the various committees and, and entities that are have been um, set up to, to do those things, um, the good work that they're doing. And so, yeah, I would say those two are highlights. I appreciate you saying so. Yeah. Um, so you touched on this a little bit earlier when you talked about um, young people working for other people, that there are things you can learn. Is there any other advice that you would give a young professional just starting their career in Manhattan? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, and again, credit credit to the chamber and credit to the um, – well, here's another thing I'm proud of. I, I'm proud to have been one of the founders of the Manhattan Community Foundation. And so – now to answer the question that you just asked about advice I'd give to a young professional, um, go out and get involved in HYPE, which is the chamber-related um, program to young professionals um, and a way to, to network and, and get to know one another. And then also the young trustees with the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. We didn't have any of those kinds of programs when I really was a young professional, um, and that would have been very beneficial to me because um, I kind of felt, I mean, not only was I a newbie back to town, but I was pretty young to be doing what I was doing and didn't have um, didn't have that network of, of folks who were around my age and, and frankly, around my experience or lack of experience um, level to, to network and connect with. And, and that would have been very helpful. So I would strongly encourage um, young professionals to get involved in both those groups. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that you, you're in a, you're in the same generation I am. I was in college about the same time you were. And I don't know if it was just because there weren't enough of us, but we didn't get uh, the attention that young professionals get today, did oh, we? No, we did not. We were just kind of like, you know, good luck and God bless. Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's a recession that you can graduate into. <laughs> go find a job. So I've, I've unfortunately didn't find as good a job as the Broadmoor. I had to go to work at a newspaper, but uh but we both ended up in a great spot. So yeah. um, at, at the time of this recording, we are preparing for the ribbon cutting for MBAF. 
which has been a long process. And I know Marty's been very instrumental, but for your family, are you all gearing up and getting excited about the, about the ribbon cutting on that facility? Well, I am. And, and again, for those who don't know, because I always take the opportunity to, to explain, Marty is my older sister and, and I always throw in my significantly older sister. Um, so if she <laughs> listens to the podcast, she'll know that this is indeed me and not some AI voice or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm so happy for her, uh, frankly, because this has been a tremendously long uh, involved project that she's been been very much um involved with. And, um, you know, um, I'm pretty confident that I'll never be let in the front door because you got all those security clearances. So I'll just have to, to trust that it's as cool on the inside as it is on the outside. But, um, you know, it's, it's a, obviously a tremendous thing for Manhattan and for Kansas State University and um, couldn't be more proud of the work that she's done um, on this project over um, well, I guess literally decades. Literally like 15 years. Yeah. But then gearing back to some of the work you're doing with the University Foundation, which you're the chair of the University Found Kansas State University Foundation, it's really anchoring the whole EDGE Collaboration District. And you all are making some really key investments in that area to grow jobs in Manhattan as well. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And and very very proud and, and humbled to be part of uh, the KSU Foundation. And you're right, the um, the Edge District is uh, kind of anchored by NBAF, and um, there are a lot of exciting things going on there now and more to come. And um, so, yeah, it's it's nice to finally, finally see that building open, and I think you're going to see um, a lot of shovels turning here over the next five to 10 years and that whole corridor of, of Kimball down on past uh, Bill F Snyder Family Stadium is really going to, you know, come up out of the ground and yeah. it's going to be very exciting. Well, from an economic developer standpoint, those things are real exciting. So thank you and Marty and all the other people who've worked on that over the years. So, okay. So we are officially going to rapid fire now. So okay. we try to learn a little more about all of our participants. And so we have 10 questions. Just answer as quickly as you can, a short short answer. Or so are you ready? Yep. If you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? MASH. That is a great answer. I love that show. Uh, what job did you want as a kid? I've got two. I wanted to be a zookeeper, and I also then wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. So somebody that liked animals? And, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, nature. I mean, yeah. I think of National Geographic. I think yep. of nature. Uh, what is your favorite or funniest workplace memory? So when I worked at the Broadmoor, um, my office, people have seen the front of the Broadmoor. It has this very beautiful kind of half circle driveway that goes up to the front door. On either long side of that circle are smaller hotel guest buildings. And my office was in the basement of one of those buildings in the Oval. And so one summer, my folks were going to come out and see me, and they always drove in separate vehicles. Um, we won't get into that, but my, uh, they were going to visit me and then go on up to Estes Park where they had a vacation home. And my mom had been complaining that, um, this isn't very rapid fire. I hope you have time. That's for okay. This. We're good. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, the we yard. We a double bonus. This is a work story and a family story. Okay. So, yeah, All right. There you, there you go. Um, that the yard was in really bad shape. So my dad thought he would be a nice guy and help her out. So he had visited prior to coming to Colorado Springs. Our, we had a ranch down by Trinidad. 
So he took his old truck out there and um, loaded it up with what I would call um, cowboy fertilizer, loaded it full, and um, came trucking on up to the Broadmoor and pulled into the Oval and parked right in front of my office. And he didn't have a tarp over his truck. Um, and it was loaded full. And then um, overnight, it rained. And so the next morning when I'm walking up to my office, um, the truck bed, which used to be parallel to the ground, was now not. It was at about a 45-degree angle because things had gotten heavy, and the back was just oozing kind of brown liquid. Fertilizer. Fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And about that time, um, the vice president of marketing, Mr. Diamond, walked up and he said, oh, Mary, I see your parents have come to town uh, to visit you. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that was memorable. That, that is definitely memorable. Mm -hmm. um, wow. That's, that's a great story. What is the most unusual pet you've had? We had a skunk when I was a little kid. Her name was Petunia. Did you take the stink gland out? Or? We had a, a vet on the ranch who removed her stink gland. She was a great pet. She'd ride around on your shoulder. However, one year she had babies down in the basement. And um, I mean, I was a pretty little kid. And I just remember the next morning at breakfast, dad said, well, Petunia moved her family to another town. And yeah. so. Mm -hmm. uh, what skill would you most like to learn? Um, I'd like to learn how to play the guitar. Where is the coolest place you've traveled? Um, I think probably Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. I have a, a future daughter-in-law that lives in Australia. So, oh, wow. So my wife and I are anxious to go visit oh, at some yeah. point. What is the most ridiculous thing that you believed as a child? Okay, this is for Dave Lewis. Um, so when I was a kid listening to um, KSAL in Salina, Kansas, when a song would come on, I thought the band and or the singer was actually in the radio station performing the song live. And so if then, you know, it played again in an hour, I thought, oh, okay, they went out to the lobby and just sat down and had a Coca-Cola. And then they got back up and went back in and sang the song to me again. And you know, I used to be a KSAL. I know you did. And you remember Sonny Slater. Yes. Who used to be one of those performers doing live music shows when he was at WIBW. Oh. So you were just a little ahead of the silliest thing that you ever believed when you were a kid. So I wasn't totally wrong. No, no, that, oh. that happened quite a bit, actually. See, I thought like Sonny and Cher and Captain and Tennille were live well, in Salina. That's the stuff you and I grew up with, but but Sonny, <laughs> 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 he had a little country western show that uh, he had with some friends when he was at WIBW. Oh, okay. And of course, that's our producer, Dave Lewis, who jumped on the mic. So I was... Good to Thank hear you from, for allowing me to hear from Dave. Um, how do you deal with work stress? Um, I am fortunate to be able to own and keep a horse out at my sister's place. And so I just go ride my horse for a while. Now. I thought you were going to say you were fortunate enough to not have any stress. And I was going to oh, say, you well, should be able to teach us all that. Yeah, no, no. not so much. Uh, what advice would you give the 19-year-old you? Mullets are a really bad idea. Ah, wait, I need you to come. <laughs> he doesn't have it anymore, but I was about to say, I need you to come talk to my 15-year-old son. Yeah, um, they weren't then and they're not a good yeah, idea now. He, he had a good one for a while. What's your first and favorite concert? Uh, my first concert was in Salina, Kansas in the 70s. It was Johnny Cash okay. came to town. And then 
Probably my favorite was um, a few years ago, Michael Buble. Where'd you see Michael Buble at? In Columbus, Ohio. He was the, when I was in Lincoln, he was the first concert at their new arena. Oh, wow. So I thought that was an interesting choice. But So where did you see uh, Johnny Cash and Salina? Where, where were concerts back um, then? I think it's called Memorial Auditorium oh, in okay. Salina. Yeah. They have really good concerts, of course, there at the- uh, Stiefel. The Stiefel. Yeah. The Stiefel was still a movie theater back in- those days. Yeah, but. I've been to a couple over there. They're really good. So, yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all you do for the chamber, for the community, for Kansas State. And uh, we appreciate you taking time for your busy schedule to visit with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.